Yo, yo, what's up, brother? Hey, happy one year, man. Happy one year, right? We got yeah. some exciting stuff coming up in year two. We're, uh, we're really, really happy to announce that, um, that we are just signed a, an ambassadorship program with Schedulicity. Schedulicity is a scheduling app, and um, they've been kind enough to, uh, to help us out this next year. Yeah, they, uh, we met them in L.A. when we did the uh, Salon Digital Summit, and they really believed in what we were doing mm-hmm. and how we were doing it. And so they wanted to know how they can partner up with us to, uh, to even reach more listeners and, exactly. and give what we give. That's that's right. So um, with our uh, with our partnership with uh, Schedulicity, we will be able to reach more hairdressers and we'll be able to bring a lot more content and get to a lot more hair shows. So uh, hopefully we can see you guys out there in the hair shows when we're there visiting. Yeah, and and they're going to give us a, some business tips uh, throughout the podcast as well. And I'm so excited that you know we're partnering up with people that believe in the same things we believe in. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, that that's pretty exciting. So uh anyway, Schedulicity, once again, big shout out to you and uh thank you for joining your day off, <laughs> silly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I sit with my bud, Tony. What's up, Tony? What's going on, homie? You, man. What's going on? Uh, man, I think this podcast is something I think our listeners have been waiting for, or at least you and I have been waiting for, right? A hundred percent and completely. Um, and just a little insight. Uh, so as I scour Instagram or I scour Facebook, um, I'm always looking for content. And this is literally content that fell into our lap. So um, I was... Uh, <laughs> I think you... Uh, Instagram bomb somebody else's uh, interview. <laughs> that's hundred percent the truth, right? hundred percent. So, uh, so our guest today is uh, Nina Tulio. I got it right. Yep, Tulio. Okay. Job. So it's Nina Tulio, and so uh, Nina was actually on a Instagram live interview, and she started talking about what we're going to talk about today. Um, and the name of our podcast today is "Are You Ready for the Sweet Life?" Sweet spelled S-U-I-T-E. So, um, so Nina is a consultant. She's a motivational consultant. She's inspirational, inspirational consultant. Um, and, uh, she's a coach and and she's doing some really, really great stuff for the industry. But, um, what we're going to talk about today is, are you ready to be an independent hairdresser? You know, are you ready? And, 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 and if you're not, um, well, Nina's going to give you the guidelines. If you're not, she's going to put things in perspective Mm -hmm. that, you know, that's your goal, mm-hmm. you know, what to do in order to, you how to know, prep, yeah, right? how to be ready how, for it and how to be ready for it. So like I said, I, I'm completely excited about this. Uh, Nina and I have been talking for a couple months and every time we get off the phone, uh, you know, we have like virtual high fives going back and forth right. because we're just so <laughs> excited to, to bring it to you. So uh, with no further ado, please welcome Miss Nina Tulio to your day off. Nina, welcome to your day off. Hey guys, how are you? Amazing. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Thank you so much for joining us. We're super stoked. Yes. yes. Can't wait to get it started. So before we get into, are you ready for the sweet life? Uh, tell us a little bit more about you. Like, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. 
That's Ooh. where I'm from. And I had, my salon was in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So it's called the Lehigh Valley. So uh, Bethlehem East and in Allentown. So three cities that are kind of tucked next to each other. And yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I'm from. And uh, kind of, you know, I've traveled around and, and moved around a bit, but I always feel like Bethlehem, Pennsylvania will be my home, you know? <laughs> yeah, I understand that. That's awesome. How did you find the industry? <clears throat> So interesting story. So I, when I was growing up, I, I always knew that I wanted to do hair. It was kind of one of these, these things that I just, that was like pulling, you know, it was pulling me in. And then when I was in middle school, I thought, well, I love animals. I love doing hair. So I'm either going to go, this is so funny. So totally opposite. I'm either going to go to school to be a marine biologist and I'm going to be a dolphin trainer and, or I'm going to be a hairstylist and I'm going to be a salon owner. Like these were my options. This is what I, this is what I come up with. And then I remember talking to my mom. So I was never a person that was into school, never loved to do homework, never loved to actually, I just did my homework just to kind of like get me through. Cause I wasn't a good tester. Um, so I'm like, if I do my homework, at least I could be like a C student. Right. And kind of float through my high school, my high school days. But, uh, my mom said, you know, if you go to college, you have to go to school for at least four years and then you're going to have to share a dorm with other girls. And I'm like, huh? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. So I have to go to school for four years and I have to share a dorm and a bathroom with like a whole floor. I'm like, er, I'm out. I'm going to be a hairstylist. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, that's how I. What she didn't tell you was that as a hairstylist, you're going to spend the rest of your career with these girls from college. Right? Right. <laughs> like it's it's going to be all women in the salon all the time. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. You have to live with them, hopefully. Oh my God. So yeah, that's how I, um, I decided then, okay, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. And I was the first, so I went to uh, my vocational school and I was the first person to sign up in my class. I was super excited about it. I was so, I was laser focused even when I was young, you know, younger. And, um, I just knew that I, I wanted to do it and I excelled in my class, although I wasn't, I wasn't great in, in high school, you know, that just wasn't my thing. But in my cosmetology class, I really excelled because I knew it was my passion. It's, I knew it was my, my purpose and what I wanted to do. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I mean, lucky, once again, lucky us. I know. Right. And once again, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird to me how similar that story is over and over and over and over again. You know, so many people that struggled in high school then, you know, found cosmetology or found hairdressing or found our industry and just like it became their purpose in their life. Yeah, that's pretty, that's why it's the most amazing industry in the world. Absolutely, right there, you know? yes. How many lives have been saved, you know, behind the chair? Uh, yeah, huh? you know what I mean. Yeah, who can count? I mean, everybody we talk to at some point that you know our industry is either you know saved them or just you know just kind of gave them their like you said earlier their purpose. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, so. When, after cosmetology school, did uh, and I'm, I'm I'm assuming it's in what Allentown or Bethlehem? Yep, it was in Allentown. So I went to Votech. Actually, my vocational school was in Bethlehem, and I was short. I think like 250 hours when I graduated. So I had to go to school. I went to a, a private school in Allentown to finish my hours and. It took me forever. So you feel like 250 hours, not you know, not too many hours. But I was kind of like him hawing around and my mom's like, what is taking you so long to get done with school? Like you should have been done like six months ago. But um, it was a different thing for me. I struggled a little bit going into uh, a new school and I was a night student. 
Um, so it was just a different, you know, the day classes, the day students and the night students were different. So I struggled a little bit. So I didn't enjoy actually going to cosmetology school after I was in Votech, but I pushed through. My mom really encouraged me to um, like hightail it and get, get finished with school. And that's exactly what I did. And then I took a little bit of a, I took a little bit of a break. So I, I started to work at a salon, a really small salon. And then I thought to myself, you know, like most stylists, how am I going to live? How am I going to make money, you know, being a hairstylist in this little small um, salon in this, in a small town. And so I started working. I got a job actually working at circuit city. Do you guys remember circuit city? Yeah. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. <laughs> You're the only ones that do. That's why they're out of business. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh yeah, exactly. So I started working at circuit city, which I'm so glad that I did because I met some of the most amazing people. Some of my best friends are from circuit city. I've been friends with them over 20 years. I learned a lot about business and I became a manager quite quickly at Circuit City, and they sent me down to Richmond, Virginia for management training for one full week. And it was, it was some of the best training that I ever had. And then I thought to myself, you know, is this really, I really wanted to be a stylist. So I then started working two jobs, working at Circuit City and working as a hairstylist, which again, we know a lot of hairstylists do early in their career. And uh, then I just decided that... Um, you know, I got the training. I love Circuit City, but it just wasn't my jam. You know, I knew I wanted to do hair. So how am I going to make this work? So my mom found a job for me online or no, it was in the, actually in the newspaper. So we're going back like 1997. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she said, Hey, I found this job for you. I think you should check it out. And, um, it was for a walk-in salon. And because I was so, so you know, new to the industry, that's what I did. And I got hired there and I, I started working at this walk-in salon. And then I ended up actually leaving Circuit City totally and focused on my career as a hairstylist. Wow. That's why they close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you mean, it's your fault, Nina. Oh my <laughs> Nina God. stopped in the stock market. <laughs> stock prices plummeted. <laughs> That's all. So I, I, let's push forward a little bit. So when did you catch like the coaching or the teaching bug? So, wow. So that was just, well, 2014 is actually when I started my consulting business. That was when I owned my hair salon back in Allentown. But I went through a lot of, um, I was so lucky to work for the woman that I ended up working for at the walk-in salon back in, I think she hired me in 1999. She became my mentor and is still my mentor to this day. Her awesome. and her now ex-husband, um, they both are my mentors. And I started working for that salon, became manager for that salon, district manager for that salon. I was running eight locations in her business. Then they sold their salons. They had over 200 salons. And oh so, I mean, I'm learning from the best of the best, uh, just truly incredibly smart people. Sold their salons. We moved to West Palm Beach, opened up five salons within one year. And... After being with them for about eight years, I thought to myself, you know what? I really need to start my own journey and create my own path. And so I moved from West Palm Beach, crazy, moved from the warm all the way back to the cold to Allentown, Pennsylvania, <laughs> and uh, started my own salon. So I started my own salon back in 2006. It was called Anthony Ashley. And in 2016, I sold it and I planned to sell it. It was a two-year plan because I wanted to consult. I wanted to travel the country. I wanted to, I feel like my purpose was 
um, bigger. I wanted to reach more salon owners and stylists. And so uh, with that consulting business starting in 2014, of course, I was busy running my salon, so I didn't have time to um, you know, dedicate to it. But when I sold my salon, that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to sell my salon was so I can start consulting. Boom. And now here we are. Now here we are. Are you ready for the sweet life? Are you ready for the sweet life? <laughs> yeah. how, did the, how did this program come about? So that's a great question because initially when I started my consulting business, I just wanted to focus on salon owners. So being from Pennsylvania, I was a commission salon owner. The struggle is real when you own a commission salon, right? So um, that was my focus. And then it organically started to uh, move in the direction of working then with stylists. I was getting a lot of stylists reaching out to me. And then I started to notice that a lot of renters, um, chair renters and suite owners started to message me and DM me questions. How do I do this? How do I handle that? And then I started to notice that they were coming to my in-salon workshops. And I thought, you know what? I'm really trying to inspire and motivate as many people as I can to be as successful as they can. And success means every, you know, something different to me and, and everybody else, right? But to really achieve that level of success. And I noticed that there were so many renters and suite owners that were really having a hard time running their business like a business. And so that's why I just created this program. So I launched it back in November of 2018 was the first class that I did. And I just gathered a lot of research and a lot of information from a lot of renters that were um, running into challenges on a daily basis. So that's why I created this course. I think I'm ready. You ready? I did. Exactly. <laughs> let's get into it, man. So, so let's go like, like I know that you created like a checklist and stuff that, um, actually let's talk about that real quick and then we'll kind of go through mm-hmm. and what he has to offer. So, so Nina, um, uh, as a favor to the podcast and as a favor to, uh, to, to her business, I guess, um, she, she set up a checklist for, um, potential, uh, suite owners or, or independent hairstylists. Um, and this is for independent hairstylists as well, right? Not just people going into a suite. All the rules yes, work the same. Independence, absolutely, for sure. Okay, awesome. So, Nina, uh, give a shout out to your website real quick, and then we'll do it again at the end. Sure, it's one nagency.com. So, the number one nagency.com. Awesome, and then it's it's uh, it's slash checklist, right? Is yeah. So, yeah, for the checklist, it's one nagency.com forward slash checklist. Awesome, awesome. All right, man. So uh, let's go through your checklist. Let's see what you have to offer and, and, and how we can uh, not screw up our independent careers. Yes, let's do it. So on that checklist, well, I don't want to give too much away on the checklist because I want people to download it and be sure. like, wow, oh, you know, this is amazing. So the checklist literally is my top 10 of what you really need to analyze, sit down and think about, mull over before you decide that you're going to take the plunge, either in being a suite owner or a chair renter. And it goes into things like, um, and I don't go too in, in depth, but things that you really, maybe that you could not be thinking about, like your, your contract, your lease agreement, you know, your rental contract, um, you know, getting a business license, which is very important, you know, making sure that your location is key and where you are. Uh, thinking about things like, um, you know, pricing and and going through all of the things that you should really be considering um, before you take that dive into becoming a renter or a suite owner. Because once you're in, 
it's a tough gig. You know, you really have to make sure that you understand your numbers. I talk about that as well. But I also added some tips on there for suite owners and renters that are already existing. So they're already in business. I gave them the five key um, elements that they should be tracking and looking at every single day in terms of their numbers. So I just threw that on there too, because I didn't want to leave out the renters that are already, you know, grinding every day. Um, but I feel that in, in most cases, not, not always, but in most cases, um, renters are not keeping track of what their numbers are and knowing exactly what's coming in and what their expenses are. And so I kind of wanted to throw that in there as well. Awesome. I can't oh. wait. I'm, 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 I'm going to download it so I can go through, uh, you know, <laughs> see where, see where I'm screwing up my career. Right. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> That's funny. So how does one uh, prepare their mind uh, or, you know, just to take that next step? Yes. So here's the thing. So if you guys, if you follow me, if you watch me, if you've seen me, you know, I'm all about personal development. It's actually probably about an hour and a half, almost two hours of my insulin workshop. And that's like a four hour to five hour class. So almost half of it is all about personal development and getting your mind right. Because I feel like if you, if you don't, if you don't know yourself, if you don't value yourself, if you don't believe in yourself and your craft, and you don't run yourself like it's a business, you start to run your business like it's a hobby. Do you know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So if, you, if you start to doubt yourself, if you don't have your systems in place, if you don't have um, you know, all of what you bring to the table in line. And that starts with you. You have to feel good about who you are and, and who you are, who you are and your authenticity and your transparency. You know, I think that's a big part of it in the business. If that's not right, you could be missing some really, really big um, opportunities with you really growing this business as a business owner. And I think a lot of times, um, sweet renters and chair renters are not taken seriously in this business because they're not running their business like a business. It's kind of like a side gig or like a hobby. And that, it really breaks my heart, honestly. And that's why I wanted to do this. Um, that's why I wanted to do this class, but getting your mind right really means knowing that you have a marketing strategy. You have a growth strategy. You have a social media marketing strategy. You're tracking your numbers. You have a good accountant. And you're using like, I love QuickBooks. That's one that I recommend. Um, but you're using something that is tracking your every move, meaning you know exactly what's coming in. You know exactly what's going out. You're doing a P&L every single month, just like a business owner would. And it's not necessarily meaning you have to have a team to be a business owner. When you're a suite owner and a renter, you are essentially running your own business. So that's why I wanted to do this. And I, I want people to understand that they have to truly focus on getting themselves right uh, mentally because it's a tough gig. It's a time commitment. You guys know this. You're spending a lot of time and a lot of money uh, growing your business on a regular basis. Well, I mean, I already mentioned some things that I'm failing at. already. <laughs> <laughs> but but I am going to take exception because she said you're essentially running a business. No, Nina, you are running a business. Running a business. <laughs> you know, there's no essentially about it, man. You're right. you're in it. You're in it to win it, right? Yes. <laughs> What's your next next workshop? I'm, I know. I'm signing up. <laughs> I'll give you a free ticket. Don't worry about it. <laughs> awesome. Can't wait, man. <laughs> wow. So I mean. It, 
you're, you talk through your mind and, 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 you know, get your mind right. And, and you know what, though, I actually, I think this is probably the good time to bring this up. So I think we've talked about this on a couple of podcasts, too. But this cannot be an emotional decision. And I think that so many people enter the, 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 the suite rentals or the booth rentals because they've had it out with their, with their, with their commission boss or something. This cannot be that decision, right? This has to be a business decision and not an emotional one. Yeah. She has one of the greatest hashtags to, uh, to, to, that that says that, right? Right? Exactly. Nina, uh, give out your hashtag. Hashtag. We don't wing shit. We don't wing shit, right? Like, like <laughs> you need a business. You need to think about it as a business and not and not and not make it an emotional decision. And that goes for day to day too. It's like, funny because we see so many people who have you have a full book and you go over and you start you know running a suite, and then you get caught up in the business side or that side kind of starts to fall behind, and you're just focusing just doing your clients. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, they're gone because exactly. they it's get either they get behind in their taxes or all these other things that. They didn't consider, and that's why I love this program so much because uh, all this uh, is going to put all that in a formula for you to make it a lot easier for that transition to get your mind, you know, and, and everything in, in order. Absolutely. So, so Nina, uh, moving forward, so, like, if I'm a new renter, like, or I guess if I'm considering being a new renter, like, like, like what kind of uh, expectations are there as a renter? Like, what's the time commitment? What are the responsibilities? Like, like what are the things that we kind of have to uh, consider before we uh, jump forward? So the number one thing I think you have to consider is that <clears throat> it is a time commitment. And typically, you know, you're spending at least, at least five to 15 hours a week just working on the business, just growing the business. And I feel like I want to tap on something that you mentioned because I think it's so important when you said you can't get into this business thinking that, um, and, or, or basing it based off an emotional decision, which I love that. And I say that so often, you know, when you're making decisions, you don't make decisions based on emotion. You make them on what's best for the business. And there are a lot of things and a lot of, and I have a list of some of the wrong reasons why people get into, um, into this uh, being a sweet owner or a renter, which we can go into a little, in a little bit, but um, you're right in that. And I think people get frustrated in where they are and they think the grass is greener on the other side. And they're like, oh, okay, well, this looks like a great opportunity. I have my, I can create my own schedule. I can be my own boss but I don't think they really understand what the time commitment is and what it means to be your own boss. It means that when you don't have clients for the day or your whole client after, you know, all of your clients for the afternoon cancel, you still have to be there. You still then have to transition, take your stylist hat off and now put your business hat off and say, okay, I lost my whole book. How am I going to make up for all of that revenue that I just lost? What am I going to continue to do to create systems that, have great cancellation policies, have great systems where I'm not refunding money, have great systems that are going to continue to grow my business as I evolve and change as a stylist, as a renter, and as a suite owner. And the time commitment alone, just running your numbers, doing your P&L, and if you're doing your own books, I know it's hard in the beginning because typically you don't have a budget for that. Um, In my workshops, I actually teach how to budget your money and what the percentages are. You should have all in line what you're spending for rent. I hope we can get into that a little bit with the rent, um, uh, what they should be, you know, they should know that rent number and what they should be bringing in in revenue. But I go through all of the percentages 
so you have a budget that you stick to. That alone can take you a good hour or two hours a week just tracking that and just using your point of sale systems and then you know running them through QuickBooks and making sure that everything is so concise because every single dollar counts in this business, as you guys know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I can't, can I, can I can't I write fast enough. I know. Right? <laughs> right? <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so, I mean, we kind of went over it before, I guess, like, you know, to make an emotional decision, but are there any other like, like wrong reasons, I guess, is, um, to, to, to not get into sweeting or to become, I guess, the opposite, right? Like, are there, are there, are there not the right reasons to, to become an owner? Right. So I always, I, I feel like this happens so often, and you mentioned it, where you're not happy in your current salon. Um, so, okay, you know, things aren't going great, or maybe I'm not making the money that I think I should, because here's, a, here's another misconception the biggest, one of the biggest misconceptions is, is that suite owners and renters make so much more money than commission stylists. And I disagree with that because after it's all said and done, you're paying your taxes, you're going through and expensing all of your supplies, you're expensing you know, your point of sale system, you're expensing your rent and all of that. At the end of the day, are you really making that much more money? You know, you have to really be passionate about business in order to say, with the time commitment, with all the extra time, energy, and money that I'm spending, is it worth it to make 5% more, maybe 10% more than commission? So if you're thinking about that, or if you're in a commission salon and you're thinking it's going to be a breeze, and all of a sudden, I'm going to just be able to keep all of the revenue that's coming in, that's a big misconception, because now you have so many more expenses. Um, also, I hear, I hear this a lot too, stylists say, well, I, have a, I can create my own schedule. I can be flexible with my schedule. You have to know that when you are, when you say that your hours are from, you know, 11 to eight, you better be in your suite or at your chair from 11 to eight. You know, you have to have the, um, you have to create systems around that and know that you um, are committed enough to show up. Uh, the other thing too, is that. Um, See, can I jump in here real quick, Nina? So, I mean, one, and you said that it's five to 15 hours a week and that's absolutely the truth. You know, you are spending five to 15 hours a week extra that you would you know, at, at a commission salon, um, you know, like the commission salon that I worked at, you know, we got there a half hour early and then, you know, we left at the end of the day and, you know, now I'm easily getting there an hour earlier and I'm staying an hour later. So, you know, that, that there is, you know, I work four days a week behind the chair, but you know, that there is eight hours um, per week. And that doesn't even include the time that, you know, you're dealing, that you're dealing with uh, QuickBooks or the time that you're dealing to the salon. So, right. you know, my experience has been, yes, you make more money, but you also earn that money. Yes. Right? Like, like if, like if you broke it down to an hourly rate, I'm probably making less, you know, or, yeah, or I'm right. making just as much. Now there's, at the end of the day, there's more money in my account, but it's not like, that's not non-earned money. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. And I feel like when you're a commission stylist, you get to go home and right, pack it in. You get to go home and forget about it a little bit for, you know, forget about your day and spend time oh, talking to you. Forget about right. it. Forget <laughs> about it. Forget about it. Um, you know, yeah, you get to forget about it and go home and really spend time with your family and focus. When you are a sweet owner or a renter, when you go home, you're still thinking about your business. You're still committed to growing that business. And that's where you're right. If you break it down hourly, it's prob you're probably 
maybe making a little bit more, but you're putting so much more time and energy. You have to figure out what is more important to you. Is it to say that I'm a sweet owner? Like, yes, I have my own business. Like, is that really why you're doing it? Or are you doing it to actually run and grow a legitimate business for yourself to create a career and a life for yourself, a lifestyle? Wow. So, so what are some of the, some of the statistics in year one then? Cause you know, you have, you know, people that, you know, go in and, and they're geared up like, like, the, you know, what you're saying, you know, they have all those, all these ducks in a row and, and they're, and they're killing it, but that's not everybody. And, and there's, there's gotta be some type of statistics, you know, how, what in year one, I mean, how many people, like what's the fail rate? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? yeah. So I have that which I will share. <laughs> I love statistics. Um, so right now, actually, the industry is made up of 52% of the industry is made up of um, renters currently. And <clears throat> here's the deal. This literally blew my mind when I found the statistics. So at least 65% of suite owners leave after their first, or I'm sorry, within their first year. So they're there for a year and then they're out. And guess what the top two reasons are why they're, they're leaving. They're leaving because number one, they can't afford it. They can't afford to run their business and they quickly realize that they're really not making the money that they had anticipated, but they're also leaving because they feel lonely. They miss the camaraderie and the environment that they were in in a commission salon or even in a renter's salon, right? Because if you're a renter, you still have the vibe and the energy um, and you can still um, vibe off of people and ask them about, you know, hey, what should I mix? Or what do you feel about this? Or what kind of toner should I use? You don't get that when you're in a suite. Like you're alone. It's just you and your client. Now, um, you know, if, you're, if you have another chair in there, if you have a double suite, that's a little bit different. So maybe you have someone that you're working next to, but those are the top two reasons. They just miss the salon environment and the energy and vibing and feeding off of other people. So I was blown away by that. And you guys know there's a lot of turnover with suites. People are literally coming and going and um, people could see, you know, three, four, five people next to them that have already come and gone within a year or two years time. So that statistic is real. And, I, and that's why I want people to really think about it it isn't like just, woo, like, let me just be a renter. Let me just be a suite owner and just dive in and see what happens. This is your life. This is your livelihood. This is how you feed yourself and your family. And you really have to think about it before you just kind of dive in. Even with that, I mean, with that 65%, I mean, Tony and I, were not in that situation. Our suite is actually pretty good. Like we can jump uh, room to room and we can borrow color and we can, you know, we, we can, we can powwow, um, you know, just like the back rooms. Of, of because before. half of us all work together. Well, that's the true. Past. <laughs> that's, that's completely true. You know, <laughs> out of the 20 of us that are there, you know, at least like, I don't know, 12 or 15 of us have worked together in the past. Um, but also, I mean, even going back and, and I think, you know, if you're not prepared, to your credit and to your class, if you're not prepared to run it as a business, you are going to, you are going to struggle a little bit, you know, and, and, and that has to be number one is, is to treat, is treat your business as a business, right? Absolutely. So that, so the, the number one or the biggest cost is going to be the rent. Yes. You mentioned earlier, you're going to get into that a little bit. So yeah, this is my, this is my, this is my most excited time of the podcast. Let's talk numbers, mama. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I love talking numbers. So if you're thinking about going into um, a rental situation, whether it's um, booth rent or suite, 
the number one thing that you have to do is know exactly what your rent percentage is going to be based on your revenue, total revenue. So I'm going to break it down for you. So here's the deal. So as a renter, your target rent percent should be anywhere between eight and 12%. That's the sweet spot. And I feel like there are some renters that are getting in way over their head in terms of you know, in conjunction to what they're bringing in in revenue and the rent percentages are 15, 18, some 20%. And I'm like, no, you cannot do this. I'm telling you because if your every dollar counts and so that's why these percentages are so important, you want to set yourself up for success and setting yourself up for success is being in that sweet spot of between eight and 12%. Okay. So okay, okay. Okay. Slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. We're a bunch of hairdressers, bro. <laughs> let's let, let's talk real hard numbers. Let's I'm not gonna, talk I'm about. I'm going to tell you. Yes. All right, cool. You're, you're up. You're up, Nina. <laughs> I'm so excited. I love talking about numbers too. So, um, okay. So here's the deal. Eight to twelve percent is your sweet spot. So let's just say that your rent is twelve hundred dollars a month. Okay. What you're going to do is you're going to divide that by point twelve percent. So if you're shooting for a 12% rent, you're going to divide that by 0.12%. That will give you $10,000 a month. That $10,000 is what you need to bring in every single month in total revenue to keep that rent percent at 12%. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yes. A lot of percentages. A lot of percentages there. Exactly. A lot of percentages. However, so if you so, so basically you're saying at, at what's that three hundred bucks a week? So if you're doing ten thousand a month, it's twenty five hundred a month. I'm sorry, well, twenty five hundred a week. Yeah. Twenty five. Right, 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 right. And that, but that's that's on a three hundred dollar rent, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So for I'm just I'm just trying to reverse engineer it a little bit. Yep. So for $300 a month, then you, know, you need to do, what was that, $2,500 a week, right? Yes, $300 a week. Wow. All right, carry on, man. Yeah, so that is number one that you have to think about. So it's not like, oh, it sounds great, $300 a week. I can do that. But if you don't really know what that percentage, percentage is that you're targeting, you're gonna get in way over your head because honestly, doing $10,000 a month is a pretty significant amount of revenue that you're doing depending on what your average ticket is. Now, if your average ticket is 150 bucks, okay, it's gonna be a little bit easier. But what I found is that typically the average average is anywhere between 85 and $100 average ticket. And so think about all of the heads that you have to do, right, to equate to this $10,000 or $2,500 a week. And so I want you to always, always think about your rent percentage and it's so easy to calculate. So I'm going to just tell it one more time just so they can calculate it. So take your rent, you divide it by 0.12%. If you're shooting for a 10% rent, then you divide it by 0.10%. That's going to give you the number that you have to target every single month in revenue to throw a profit, to throw a profit. And that's just a profit, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wowzers. That, that, that doesn't even, <clears throat> excuse me, include any other costs. No. That's no, just that's rent. Bad, right? Wow. 
And then you you get into supplies because that's where typically owners spend the most or overspend the most. You get into that percentage and you don't even calculate that. I mean, that's why I always, when I start coaching or working with anyone, I want to know what their rent percentage is at because that's the foundation to a successful business. If you know that and you have that on lock and you're not at 15, 20, 25% rent, you should, everything else, as long as you follow the system of percentages, you should be able to throw a decent profit. But the rent is key. The rent is so key right now. We have our rent at 10% or 12% or eight, between 8 and 12%. How do we calculate all the other, you know, potential? Which is expenses, right? Yeah, expenses, P&Ls. Um, how do you put all that together? So there's actually, there's a formula that I created um, and this was taught to me by my mentors and that's what I use to help salon owners, commission salon owners. Um, But there's certain percentages that you have to follow. Um, I can't give it all away, but um, like your percentage for supplies um, typically should not exceed more than 15% of your total revenue. Um, And then you have to factor in your point of sale. You have to factor in your marketing Um, you know, there's so many other things that go into this, you know, then, then you got to pay your taxes. Right. Um, And so there is a system that goes along to it and not too many people know the system because nobody's teaching it. Nobody's talking about it. And that's why I wanted to do this in my, in my classes and um, you know, in my, my membership program and in my workshops, I wanted to, to talk about it because if you can follow the system and you know what you're budgeted for every single month, like what you, so you're already going to know what you can spend on supplies in say July, because you know exactly what you earned in June. So if you have that already budgeted and put aside, you know what you can spend and you don't overspend. Here's why people overspend. And this is so true because I know this in the beginning of my salon owner days, you run to the, you know, your uh, supply store every week. If you're going to your supply store every week and you're not on a system on how you're ordering your supplies, like either every other week or once a month, you're overspending. Cause it's like a kid going into a candy store, right? You go in and you're like, Oh my God, I need, I need foil and oh, they have new colors. And then you start just throwing shit in your cart. Next thing you know, you're like $300 deep when your budget was only 150. Now you just spent double what you should have. So I highly recommend that you get on an ordering system where you're ordering either biweekly or every month and you can track that and you have um, sheets that are printed out that will, you know, show you how many colors you should be ordering of 7N, 6N, you know, your, your vivids, all of that should be, um, you should have on hand quantities. So that way, you know, when you use one, you're supplying that one, right? Um, But that's all in budgeting and it's all in the system. It's having a strong system in place so you don't overspend because I say it a million times, but it's so true. Every single dollar counts in this business. Love that. And and, um, so, uh, and about the P&L, so kind of how do you, how do you figure out your, your P&Ls or, or. Well, you said you're using QuickBooks. So QuickBooks does a lot of that for you. So yeah. you're checking your P&L uh, monthly? Yes, you're a profit or you have a good accountant that's doing your books for you. Um, uh-huh. But as you can do, QuickBooks is very easy enough to use where you're plugging in. So you're plugging in all of your numbers and your expenses. So you're plugging in what your uh, revenue is and then all of your expenses in QuickBooks and it'll calculate it for you. It'll show you after, you know, what your expenses are and what you, your taxes are paid, what your net profit is. Um, and so that's the easiest I found 
is to use the self-employed QuickBooks app. You can use it right on your phone. And then you just take, it's time consuming, honestly. You know, it could take an hour or two that you're doing every month, but it is so incredibly worth it. I can't tell you how many renters, they don't know what they're bringing in or what they're spending at all, like have no idea. Then how do you know what your profit is, right? And so it's so important to make sure that you're doing this P&L on a monthly basis. So going back to uh, a little bit of, uh, before this conversation about the P&Ls, you were talking about the systems. Mm-hmm. Do you help people put the systems in place? Do you help them build these systems? Yes, 150,000%. So we talk about um, marketing strategies and growth strategies. Um, those are one of the key areas that we talk about. So growth strategies can mean many different things. How are you going to attack this business? Is it going to be social media, you know, heavily social media driven? Is it going to be referral driven? Um, You know, you have to have a marketing concept and a strategy that's just not dedicated to one area. You know, if you're just using social media to attract new business, it may work well for you, but you still need other avenues of marketing. And so we talk about all of that. We talk about how to create a growth strategy that works best for your business, which is being a sweet owner and a renter. Um, and then we talk about systems, the uh, guest experience. That's a whole other system, right? How are they being greeted? Are you using intake forms? You know, how are they being treated throughout the entire service? What are the add-ons? What's the added value? What are you doing that's different than everybody else in this business? What sets you apart? You know, that's a whole other system. And then how are you following up with them? You want to make sure that you are in front of your guests when they're not in your chair. So they don't forget about you because clients can, they get swayed, right? They can be, they can, you know, they see shiny things and they're like, oh, I see this person on Instagram and I love their work. Maybe I should go see them. You want to make sure that you're in front of them and you're communicating with them on a regular basis. So you should be sending out email marketing campaigns at least once or twice a month at least once or twice a month to let them know like, Hey, I'm here, you know, giving them tips and tools and tutorials and educating them while they're not in your chair. Um, so those are some of the systems. Then we go into tracking, we go into numbers, we go into the percentages that I mentioned, you know, what your percentages should be every single month in order for you to throw a profit. And, um, it's just, it's so heavy duty. And then the personal development side too, about getting yourself right and really believing in yourself so you can provide the best experience for your clients. Um, I don't know if we're gonna go into this, but I hope we can. Um, two, two things that are missed before um, people take the plunge into becoming renters. Can we talk about that for a quick second? Hey, dude, this your, is your podcast. Your, time, your podcast, we're just, we're visiting your podcast. <laughs> so two things that I have found in all of my research that um, renters miss before they go into this is they miss calculating how much revenue they're going to lose when they leave their current situation, their current salon, and go into a suite or a rental situation. You're talking about like when you lose clients. So is, yes. is it different than the, um, I mean, the, the, the rule that, 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 I, that we've heard our, you know, our entire careers is you know, either 80, 20 or 70, 30. Are those the same rules that, so you'll keep 70% of your clientele, but you'll lose 30%? Yes. So that's what I, that's what I calculated on is about 30%. It could be more, it could be less depending on your location, depending on your pricing, right? Depending on the value that you're providing, why would someone want to go follow you if they're comfortable where they are? Um, So calculating that 
So what I want you to do is if you're thinking about taking the plunge here, take what you're doing in revenue and take 30% off the top. And now make sure that your rent is aligned with that number. Don't go in thinking like, yes, I'm going to keep all of my clients. Every single one of them is going to follow me because that's not being realistic. Mm -hmm. I think part of being a good business owner is being realistic and um, setting up true expectations and goals for yourself and not living in a fantasy land. And so knowing that you're going to lose 30% off the top, that's where you calculate that rent percentage. Because if you think you're bringing in 10,000 and you're not, you know, you're bringing in less than that, your calculation is going to be all screwed up. So I want you to set yourself up for success. So that's the one. Okay. Can I, this is being a salon and being a suite owner and, um, you know, people come in all the time, you know, wanting to explore it or whatever. And mm -hmm. one of the pieces of advice, and by the way, you're totally allowed to say you're a moron, but um, one of the pieces <laughs> of advice that I give is that when you start your salon, that's a time to do a, a bump, a, a, a bump in, in, in charge as well. And, and my philosophy is, or my thought is, is that those that follow you are your true fans. So they're not going to care about like a small five or 10% increase. Um, right. And it helps you, it'll help offset some of that 30% as well. Right. So yes. So here's the thing. And you're not a moron. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's the first time that's ever been said. <laughs> So um, here's the deal. And so I'm glad that you did that because it's a segue into pricing. So, and there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say controversy, but there's a lot of talk about, should I raise my prices when I move into a suite? Should I keep them the same? What should I do? Here's the deal. And this is another thing that stylists miss. So this is perfect. You have to understand what your price is per minute and how yeah. you, and how, yeah, woo, let's get deep right now because here it is. Your pricing goes according to what your expenses are and what you want your profit to be. So you already wrap in your profit. You know, if you want to do a 30% profit, 25% profit, 40% profit, you know, you're wrapping what your expectation of what your profit is. You calculate that into what your expenses are every single month. And then there's, there's other things that um, you plug in there. So I actually have a working Excel sheet in my monthly membership program. And I work on this in the actual in salons. I literally plug these numbers into an Excel sheet. You can do it by hand too. It's easy. And it'll give you what your price is per minute. That way you're pricing yourself according to what your expenses are and what you want your profit to be. So it's already wrapped into the price. So when you move to a suite, yes, your expenses, of course, they're going to go up. So you have to make sure that you're pricing your services accordingly. And when you have that price per minute, you now know that, if I'm doing a 60 minute service, boom, this is what I'm charging because everything is already calculated. The cost of color, the cost of time, the cost of everything is already calculated into that price. So here's the deal. When you have your price per minute, you're not calling the salon down the street to say, well, Judy down the block is charging 65 for a haircut. So that sounds good. I think that's what I'll charge. You can't really do that because what Judy's expenses are, may be different than what your expenses are. And so do you have to be in line with your demographic? Yes, but I can tell you this. There were within, when I had my salon, there were 43 salons within a six block radius, right? My mom thought I was crazy for moving into this salon. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, ma, I got it. Don't worry. Um, and so why, I'm, why I wanted to say this is that don't feel that you can't price yourself higher than someone within your demographic 
as long as you add value to their service. So in my block, we were charging $75 for a retouch up and we were charging $50 for a haircut, literally down the block. So that's 125 for a retouch up and a, and a haircut. Down the block, they were charging 90. Down wow. the block. Now that's a pretty significant difference in price, right? But the reason, and we were a very, we were very, very busy salon. Um, I had a great team too that really hustled and worked hard, hard and they, they understood, they got it. Like they really put their time and energy into it. But the reason why was because we were a little bit different. We provided an organic, we had um, a natural based color. We had our systems in place in terms of how they were being treated. We did you know, hot towels and lavender oil and hand massages. And we gave them chocolate when they checked out. And we, you know, we really took the experience to the next level. So they didn't mind paying that difference in price. It's honing in on knowing who your target market is and finding them and then treating them like gold every single time. So I don't want you to outprice yourself, but I also want you to know that you've got to price yourself according to your expenses and what your profit margin is. I love that so much. You know? <laughs> Nina, just to kind of, um, you just said a couple of things that, that, that sparked, you know, a couple of thoughts in my head there. Yeah. Um, what kind of tell me, and this is a little bit off topic, but, but like, what are your coaching styles? Like, what have you found like that, that, that when you're, when you're coaching up people or coaching somebody, I mean, like, does everybody, do you have to communicate on their level or, or what's been your style and what's, what, what have you found? Well, let's talk, let's talk it backwards. So what coaching styles have you adopted in the past that probably weren't the best? And then, and then how, how, how have you evolved moving forward in your coaching style? So yeah, in the beginning, you know, when I first started coaching, I think it was, I had the mentality of, and, and as most owners and stylists do, right? You want to work with everybody. I just want to work. I just want to coach. I want to help. I want to do, you know, when you're a starting hairstylist, you do everybody's head, right? Everybody that walks in the chair until you define your target market and you have the experience and the education to back it. So I think I made mistakes in terms of that, you know, thinking that I can work with everybody because I can't, I'm not a fit for everybody. Um, just like clients are not a fit for every stylist. So what I learned to do is really hone in again, who my target client was as, as um, salon owners and stylists. And those are people that want to make change within their business. They don't talk about making change. They actually want to implement change. And so I have people all the time who say, I, you know, I'm not doing this. We're not hitting profit. We're not, you know, my team is not working, but, 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 okay. So let's talk about how we can implement some of these changes. Are you willing to do it? They say, yes. And then when we get into it, they're like, uh, I don't know. I'm scared. What if people leave or, you know, that makes me a little, I, I've changed my style a little bit and I've gained the confidence enough to say, you know what? We may not be a fit if you don't want to implement change. And listen, I'm not saying do everything I tell you to do because mm -hmm. I'm not like God here. Um, I'm just saying do 90% of it. Um, and so I think that's what I've learned and I've, I don't adapt my style because I am who I am. I think people want to work with me because I am authentic and I'm true always. I speak the truth and I don't sugarcoat things, but I also work from a very compassionate space and I understand what it's like to struggle. Um, as a salon owner, I almost closed my business twice within my first five years. I'm very open about that. I've talked about it many, many times and shared my story. So I feel that when you are true, 
you stand in your truth, you live in that, and you speak from your experience, and you work from that space of, of compassion and love, um, then you attract those people. So I don't work with anybody anymore, if that answers your question. I think I've learned that. Um, I can't save the world. <laughs> you know, I just can't do it. <laughs> I'd love to, but I can't. Those who want to be saved. That's right, right? Yes, yes. Well, Nina, I, I'm blown away man yeah awesome is there anything else you want to touch up before we uh you give them how to find you um i think you know the main thing that i just want to get across is because i don't want to scare people into getting into this you know i just want them to take a real hard look at what it truly means to be your own business be in business for yourself and I think I want people to just be a little bit, do their due diligence and be a little bit more cautious and know what they're getting into and check all the boxes. You know, make sure that you go through and check all of those boxes because there is so much success in being a renter and being a suite owner. I know so many stylists that are doing a really kick-ass job um, in, in, this, in this business. Um, but for you that are just kind of ready to just dive in just because you don't like where you are, I just want you to check all the boxes and do your homework and really know that this is a commitment. This is your life. This is your career. And so, yeah, I just want people to understand that. And just to know that if you need someone to help you and, and cheer for you and guide you along the way, then, you know, I'm your girl, you know, I'm there for you for that. That's awesome. Nina, how do people find you? So they can find me on my website, onenagency.com. And then also on Instagram, I swear I live on Instagram. <laughs> um, so you can, my, my handle is Nina. So N-I-N-A, the number two, L-E-O. Do you guys get it? Do you know yep. what my, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Nina Tulio, that's my handle on Instagram. Um, and of course on Facebook. So on Facebook, you can find me Nina Tulio um, Odom. So that is, I mean, I live on Facebook too, but more so on Instagram. And of course I have my one and agency business page on Facebook as well. That's awesome. I, I tell people that I live on Instagram and I visit Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It switches. You know, I go in rotation. Like sometimes I'm all about Facebook and then I'm all about Instagram. Right now I'm all about Instagram. I love it. Well, that's where we found you, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Stalking your stories or something. Right. Popping <laughs> on people's uh, Insta lives and taking over. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get me in trouble, Nina. <laughs> I tend to do that a lot, actually. <laughs> Not that on purpose. It's just I'm interested, man. Um, okay. So uh, 1nagency.com slash checklist. We'll give the checklist for the, uh, for the, the, the sweet checklist, right? Yes. Yes. That's awesome. I can't wait to check it out. And, and like I said, I, I really want to go through like, you know, as a, as a current sweet owner, you know, how we can, um, how, how we can better our business as well. Oh yeah. I'm looking to, you know, forward to making more money now. I know. Right. Right. So I'm, yeah, I'm downloading today. So I am definitely hundred percent. It'll probably happen before we get off air here. Yep. Miss <laughs> Nina to Leo. Yep. <laughs> ah, <laughs> um, thank you very, very much for joining us on your, and sharing your wealth of knowledge on your day off. Thank you guys so, so much. This was so fun. And um, yeah, this was exciting. Thank you guys. I hope you have an awesome day. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. 
<laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually, you can. You can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. Ooh.